monthly discussing movie podcast. Every week we discuss the movie and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services so that you can participate right along with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I am joined this time by Alicia Walker. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hello. Josh Dean. Hi there. And Nathan McKinney. Hello. And today we'll be discussing uh, Laura, which was uh, suggested by Christine. Uh, the synopsis for that being a police detective falls in love with a woman whose murder he is investigating. But first, we'll talk about what we've been watching lately. Uh, Josh, let's start with you. What have you been watching lately? Well, I finally got to see the uh, the Parallax View, the uh, thriller from the 70s with Warren Beatty. Um, oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of fun. Well, fun uh, in quotation marks. It's it's a grim movie, but uh, <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed watching it. And it reminded me that sometimes movies or back in the old days, they didn't have to spell anything out for everybody, you know. Um, so it's one of those you got to pay attention to it. You got to, you know, read between the lines sometimes. And uh, they don't they don't hold your hand through the movie, and I really enjoyed that. Um, also, Hume Cronin in a non cocoon role, uh, which I enjoyed quite a bit. <laughs> so yeah, check out the Parallax View if you've never seen it before. Right on, Alicia. How about you? Uh, we've been watching quite a bit of stuff, but uh, I think I will talk about uh, the Pink Panther, the original Pink Panther movie with Peter oh, Sellers. Okay. So, uh, not my first time seeing it, but I'm liking rewatching it. Probably my third or fourth time seeing it, but now I'm a little more observant on some different parts of the movie and uh, uh, love the styling. Love it, love it, love it. And the music's fun. And um, I think A Shot in the Dark is better, the, the sequel to the, the first sequel, I guess I should say, to The Pink Panther. But, but uh, I love kind of uh, them painting the picture and David Niven's always great and uh, a really, really young. And why am I blinking on his name right now? Uh, Mary Denelli Wood. Uh, help me out, people. Robert Wagner. Really oh, yeah. super, like maybe his first movie role. He's he's thin as a rail, and but it's got the same charming voice and the good hair. So I think um, I got all my Natalie Wood jokes out. Oh, gosh, time, I'm so, so sorry. I'll leave, um, leave save them for later. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so it's, it's, it was fun. It's great. You know, it, it, the fun of it is all the stuff that happens and is not acknowledged, you know, as everything's happening and people are falling and things are flying through the air and, you know, all kinds of weird things are happening. But, but the fact that Inspector Clouseau is just fumbling around and everyone just acts like this is everyday affair. It's great. I, I, you know, I, I like, um, They've tried to do that kind of thing in other movies, and I don't think it's been half as successful as as those early Pink Panther movies. Steve Martin's Pink, Pink Panther movie, I love Steve Martin, but it's just not the same. It's a lot more everybody laugh here, like insert laugh here without it just rolling along and continuing on with the action. And so, yeah, so I would recommend the original Pink Panther, and then after that, you've got to watch A Shot in the Dark. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Um my uh, recommendation this week, or the the thing that I was most interested in, I watched a documentary series on HBO called Exterminate All the Brutes. Um, some of you guys may have seen it pop up on HBO. They were uh, promoting it pretty heavily for the last month or two. But it's a docu-series about 
the history of genocide. Um, and it goes into all genocides and talks about how they're in they're they're completely intertwined with the rise of civilization, the rise of America, the, you know, all of these things. Um, and that the the story is the same, but it keeps happening and sort of why that is and that that kind of stuff. But um, it's a very interesting and well told and extraordinarily well shot uh, documentary series. Uh, Raul Peck is the director of that. Um, he did uh, I Am Not Your Negro a couple years ago. Um, he's fantastic. He's a Haitian uh, director. And there are a couple of other people that he uh, worked somewhat on the project with that had, that had sort of written books on the subject that he was collaborating with and using some of their material. Um, Exterminate All of the Brutes uh, is a line from uh, like... Not Heart of Darkness, though. Yes, Heart of Darkness. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Uh, that's that's where it's from and they they one of the things that I, I i really like about this particular series um this filmmaker this narrator all of that sort of thing is that he uses his knowledge of film to make his points and so he will constantly reference historical events that are played out in movies that have been made and he shows you clips from those movies as he's talking through it. So it's like him narrating while he's talking about something. And then they're showing you sort of clips that sort of like go along with what he's saying. But every time one of those movies pops up, they pop up the name of the movie, the year it came out and the director's name. And if you decide to watch this series, which I'm recommending that you do, um, I would recommend having something to write with. So that as those titles pop up, you can write down the names of those because I didn't know 90% of them and everything that he showed looked really interesting. And this is a great filmmaker telling you, like, these are the films to, to watch to know about this stuff, um, to learn about this. So it was very, very good. I recommend it. Nathan, how about you? Uh, so I watched a movie that for years I actually thought I had watched um, because I watched a movie as a kid called um, Condor Man, and I got it confused <laughs> with Three Days of the Condor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as a kid, I conflated the two, had no idea. And, of course, I've seen plenty of Robert uh, Redford movies, so it, it, it's not – inexcusable to imagine that I might have considered watching it at some point, but I hadn't. Uh, so it was pretty great. I had never seen it before. Um, it has Max von side now who is quite frankly, everything I've seen him in, he's been great. Uh, in fact, he kind of makes the movie to me, uh, Faye Dunaway is in it. Um, it's basically about, um, for those who haven't seen it, which is probably about nobody. Uh, although, don't get it confused with Condor Man. Um, it's, uh, you know, uh, 
Robert Redford is man. a um, CIA agent, and um, he's kind of just a reader. He's been reading lots and lots of like newspaper articles, books, magazines. That's all he does for the, the CIA in order to try to connect the dots with conspiracies that may be happening. It's kind of a weird job, I guess. But uh, he comes back to his CIA headquarters at a super confidential and uh, finds everybody's been shot to bits pretty much in the opening scene. Um, and he has to go deep undercover to try to figure out what's going on because he doesn't trust anybody, including his own handlers. And he gets mixed up with Faye Dunaway, who becomes this is just a standard bi type gal, and he just basically abducts her. And then I don't know if she gets like, uh, uh, what is it, Stockholm syndrome, or she just figures out that he's actually legit and is not trying to be rude or whatever, but. They fall in love. It's really convenient. And it's pretty good. I liked it. But mainly for Max von Sydow. Were you disappointed that Condor Man wasn't in it? <laughs> the truth is, I don't remember much of Condor Man except for the final scene where he stands on some bridge or something and he's got his Condor outfit and he flaps his wings like he's going to go fly and everybody thinks he's going to die. And of course he does fly. That's what I remember from Condor Man. I need to rewatch that one too. All right. Spoilers for Condor Man. Um, so <laughs> I think you owe Alicia some batteries on that one. Uh, Christine, what have you been watching? So I finished watching Jonathan Creek and I was in this need for watching more Alan Davies. And I found another series that he's in uh, called Damned. And it's about uh, social workers in. Uh, uh, children's uh, division and how they go about their day-to-day work um, and it's sort of like an office kind of show like Parks and Rec office yeah. kind of thing um, and it has Alan Davies and Joe Brand and a female comedian uh, yeah I think I've comedian. seen clips from it but I haven't watched the show and of course I know yeah. all of these actors from uh, British quiz shows so yeah uh i'd seen joe brand on like qi and stuff like Mm -hmm. that before and uh they're both hilarious together and they tackle uh serious issues in the show like with uh the child care system and stuff like that uh but they have that funny edge to it as well like uh those different uh office comedy shows do and it was a good two seasons that I that they have up of it right now. I don't know if they're making any more of it or not, but I hope they do. Yeah. Yeah, Caroline Quinton is in uh, the Jonathan Creek series, and uh, she was also in the original British version of Who's Line. Um, like, towards the end, towards the time when, like, Colin and Ryan got started, um, which is, like, season four or five-ish when they get in there that she's in there quite a bit. So, well, uh, we watched a movie this week. It was called Laura. It was Christine's suggestion. Um, had anyone seen this before besides Christine? Alicia has. Okay. Um, Nathan, let's start with you. What did you think of Laura? Uh, I was kind of excited about this one, uh, because, it's a really early role for uh, Vincent Price, which I thought was kind of fascinating. And and the the other guy, 
the lead guy that uh, plays the rich millionaire writer guy that sits in the tub in the first scene, uh, Clifton Webb. It's being pointed to me on a, a handy little piece of paper here. Um, he, I liked him too. He was he was uh, really good in it. Um, I think you know my. I don't know if everybody's going to have the same takeaway, but my my kind of takeaway from it was I was really excited to kind of like try to figure out the mystery and what was going on. And so I had some theories that were kind of going on. I thought, well, maybe probably had, you know, there's always the the opening scene. There was a clock pretty fe- prominently featured. Okay, the clock's going to be really important. Uh, but I kept watching for more and more things. And I had these like conflated like plot twists that were probably going to happen. And at the end of the day, none of them happened. The gun was in the clock. Okay. But like the 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 lady who was the model hadn't traded places with the lady who with Laura and the guy yeah. that was an illustrator hadn't taken the painting off the wall and painted a new illustration with the new person's face and all kinds of plot twists that I had in my head that were way better than what ended up happening <laughs> so I just kind of thought this is good I enjoy all the character acting and I th- thought the mystery was pretty straightforward and kind of dull so don't go for the mystery. Go for everything else, and it's just fine. That's my take. Okay, fair enough. Josh, how about you? Yeah, so um, first off, I was really worried it was going to be a dream sequence. There's one shot where they tighten up on uh, McPherson, the detective, after mm-hmm. he's passed out drinking, and then they back away again, and I was like, oh, man, if this is all going to be a dream sequence from here on out, I'm going to be really pissed off. But it turned out not to be a dream sequence. I guess it was just an act break that they decided to do that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so, the, yeah, the mystery, I'm with Nathan a little bit. The mystery was kind of pedestrian. Um, I I enjoyed being on the same page as the detective most of the time. Like, whatever he found out, that's what we found out. And they didn't cheat or anything or hide any information from us, which pisses me off in a mystery movie sometimes. Um, my main complaint with it, though, was that Laura uh, wasn't... They they told, talked about how awesome she is, but they didn't show how awesome she is. Um there's that one little flashback where she's talking to uh, Lidecker. Is that his name? What? Yeah. And uh, she seems very normal and meek. And he's like, oh, there was something about her, though. I had to track her down and find out where she worked. <laughs> and I was like, "What? why? Why did you have to track her down? She was she was hot. She was, she was hot. hot. Yeah, he wanted that's, to do her. Well, I yeah. don't know if he I don't. I, he probably didn't, actually. But he wanted yeah. to dress her. Exactly. Yeah. She, everything we see of her, like she's deceitful, weak willed and, uh, pretty. And that seems to be, and like just bounces between these three kind of two horrible guys and the detective who, uh, I don't know what he saw in her, but, uh, did see something in her. Um, so, I felt like Laura was underwritten, but I feel like, uh, Jean Tierney did a good job with what she had to work with. Um, it just, I, I don't feel like she had a lot to work with, but as a mystery, I thought it was pretty good. Okay. Well, for my part, um, since I had not seen it before, um, it led me to, uh, first a confession and then a question. The confession was that I haven't seen this before. And the question is why haven't I seen this before? Um, I love this movie. 
I thought it was fantastic. Uh, it's uh, it's like the best episode of Columbo I've ever seen. <laughs> That's kind of my feel of it. Like it has a similar style to it. Um, the detective's not as interesting as Columbo is, but that's a pretty tall order and that only works over, you know, episode after episode of the, the character playing that. Um, I also, you know, to Nathan's point about guessing where things were going and, and thinking about where things were going, I actually, for the most part, I went right along with whatever the detective knew and I wasn't trying to second guess it too much. The only thing that I guessed that turned out to absolutely not be the case was that um, this was sort of a riff on Scandal in Bohemia by Arthur Conan Doyle and that she was going to turn out to be this Irene Adler type supervillain woman um, who'd orchestrated this whole thing and tricked all these men into doing her bidding and all of that. And then she shows up and yeah, she's just kind of regular, kind of normal. Um, I think the only part of the movie I didn't like was just briefly when it went to uh, when Lidecker is retelling the story of how he met her and they're going through all that. It's kind of like this massive exposition dump. And it feels like the movie just it's been going really well to that point. And then it just kind of comes to a halt so that we can go back and get that exposition again. But I think it works for the movie. Eventually, it's just sort of a there's sort of a, oh, really, are we going to like, is the whole movie going to be this like flashback style with Lidecker just talking about it? Um, And can we rely on what he's saying? Like, you know, he's obviously like there's something up with him. Um, but, uh, uh, but that didn't end up happening. And it, it, it really like for a movie from 1944, it really held my attention. I think the, the down key, um, the down key actual portrayal of Laura or the, the characterization, the way that they, they wrote her and, and she was acted and all of that. I think this was probably much more of a like, wow, type woman in 1944 than it would be for modern audiences. I think in 1944 for a woman that works a job and is like holding down like three or four different lovers at different times and um, doesn't seem to, you know, she doesn't have a care in the world and she, you know, she goes to her her cottage to think about whether she wants to marry Vincent Price, even though she knows she isn't going to really Um, like, I I think that's, that's what that's about. I think that's kind of where that piece of it is. Um, Alicia, how did you feel rewatching it? Well, I I raised my hand for watching it, but I think my rewatch was almost from scratch because I was talking to mom today and she's like, oh yeah, we watched Laura back in the day. I was like, I had totally forgotten. So I technically have seen it, but pretty much forgot everything. Okay. I mean, uh, if it had been 20 years, I wouldn't have remembered anything. Yeah. So, So, you know, all growing up, uh, you know, I always heard Laura's theme or Laura's theme, you know, over time because it's really, really famous for movie music and stuff like that. Um, I thought it was good, not great. There's a lot of great things about it. 
Um, I think though the same thing, like I didn't necessarily know who the killer was, but I did think it would be a little more of a twist than it ended up being. Um, I, I do think, you know, like Josh said, we don't get a, a very full picture of exactly who she is, but I, but I think we're, we're getting the picture from all the guys who circulate around her. So they mm -hmm. have all painted the picture of Laura, at least for, in their own minds, of who they believe Laura to be and why they love Laura. Now, whether she really is those things, you know, that's obviously up to interpretation by all the, the people speaking. Right, um, and it happens to the detective too. Exactly. Which we see play Absolutely. out in real time. So whatever it is she's got, she's irresistible. She's got something. I mean, he doesn't even meet her and he's already in love with her and sitting in the chair and staring up at her portrait. So, yeah. uh, and speaking of him, he has got to be one of the worst cops I've ever seen. So not only does he fall in <laughs> love with her, but and he's kissing on her even if he he liked her he shouldn't be kissing on her and then you know at the beginning of the movie what's he doing I, i'm gonna go to the scene of the crime you suspects want to come with me sure and so then they all go like it's a scooby-doo yeah. episode and they all go like tromp around the scene of the crime and they're touching everything and getting fingerprints and not even get you know oh i took this oh i put that key in that drawer like everything is just willy-nilly on the evidence so i i think i was watching the whole time going what the hell is happening with this crime scene so I, you know i was getting tied up in that little stuff which obviously it's it's more about the narration and the character study of all these friends of laura and I mean, Lidecker was the most fun. I, he's he's got to be the first unofficial gay best friend in a movie because that's essentially <laughs> what he was. They just obviously are not saying that's what he is. Uh, and yeah, sure, he's in love with her. Okay, he's probably jealous he's going to lose his best friend is more like it and his Barbie doll to dress up. But But I think that that's essentially what was happening there without it being blatantly stated, which I really enjoyed that part of it. I thought that was great. Uh, but yeah, I, did, I thought it would be a little more mysterious at the end of the movie too with the clock. I mean, I, and Nathan had said they keep showing the clock. And I was like, yeah, they do keep the showing table. the clock. That's a look at that, you know. And then when they oh they find the the murder weapon in the clock, I'm just going to put it back in the clock and I'll come back and get it in the morning. What again? What are you doing? You take the gun out of the clock, but you know all these little things. I think were kind of driving me crazy. I th I think I just wanted it to maybe become more than it was, but maybe that a lot of that was just looking at things from more modern thriller noirish kind of movies, you know, and kind of looking through that lens. And I think still at the time, it was probably quite the story that everybody talked about leaving as to, you know, who killed her and all that kind of stuff. So I liked, I thought it was fun. It just wasn't quite what I thought it would be in the end. Okay, fair enough. So, um, Christine, it's that time where I ask, what the hell? Why did we watch this movie? <laughs> so... I had first seen this movie a long time ago. Like, I was probably 12 years old. I watched it on PBS probably late at night with my mom. And I loved it. And I was like, okay, I want to watch this movie again. And I think it'd be good for the podcast. So that's why we watched it. And, <laughs> and re-watching it. it Great, yeah, and I did get the same feel, the Columbo feel, watching it too. Um, and I feel like with him putting the gun back in the clock, I felt like that was exactly what Columbo would do, trying to like put it back in there, <laughs> trying to trap him. And I thought the same thing exactly. was going to happen. Yes, I thought it exactly. was his plot. 
And like yes. he kind of like whispered to her, like, "Okay, pretend you're going to bed." And yeah, <laughs> and then kissed her. Loaded. Kissed her as she yeah, went to bed. Exactly, because he took the bullets out. But no, Put it back in there. He's yeah. locked out. And yeah, exactly. He's not as good as Columbo. He's just the worst cop. Yep, just the worst. He doesn't just appear to be the worst cop. Yeah, exactly. I got to say, but, though, in that first half hour, he was <laughs> tearing apart people's alibis and all their yeah. shitty lies. That was true. I agree. Yeah. And then he, But then he moved into her apartment for a while, which was a weird yeah. move to make. Once but he yeah, got infatuated with her, his effectiveness just yeah. fell See, off. I mean, he didn't have a wife like Columbo. That's probably it. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, the whole, like, having everybody following him around. I mean, I realize that was a plot device to get all the characters in the same room on a regular basis so we could talk about him. But I also kind of thought, well, maybe this guy's doing this to kind of, like, get them to say shit to slip up and, and figure out so he could figure out what was going on. I kind of figured Absolutely. that was just his yeah. way to do it. And I didn't have a problem with it, really. I thought it was actually well, kind of interesting. Well, and him arresting Laura in front of everybody... Yeah. That was an important, that was actually a trick that he played because yeah, he right. wanted to see everybody's reaction. It was sort of a King Solomon moment mm-hmm. of, well, I'll cut the baby in half, which half do you want? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that will help you answer the question of who actually did this. So, you know, who's well, actually. And he did like here. Columbo and like, you know, the thin man that came before him, you know, like the killer is in this room or I'm going to be arresting the person. Everybody looks at each other, you know? So yeah, I, I mean, that's always a great plot device, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it did shake the trees a little bit. So he puts the gun back in the clock, but he takes the casings with him because. Mm-hmm. And he when, touches them with his bare hands and takes them out. It, it was the forties. We crime scene. They didn't have fingerprinting. Tech. Yeah, <laughs> sure. They did it. Um, they could rule his out. It was, it's not a big deal. Um, but uh, I was wondering about like, why after the murder do you put the shotgun in the clock? Because there's so there's two people in the room when the shooting. There's two people in the room and one person outside of the room when the shooting happens. Uh, Vincent Price is in the bedroom. Laura is in the at the door the model is inside the, the model yes the model is yeah. inside at the door Laura <laughs> and the the old kook is at the door outside she opens the door he blows her head off and then they tell you how like Vincent Price like came out saw it wasn't sure what to do decided to leave and then the other guy came back into the room and stowed the gun. I'm like, why? Yeah, why not just take it with you? Yeah. yeah and, and I, like, I never got that either. Yeah. Sure, you know that there's a hiding place there that nobody else knows, but it, I thought it would, you know, going to, you know, the could have been better, you know, Dathan's alternate theories and stuff like that. Like, uh, if he had put it there with some with like Vincent Price's fingerprints on it. Then I get yeah. it. You plant the murder weapon that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I also I, I'm a little confused about like we we've we've decided we figured out that the shotgun that that killed her wasn't yours. There's no shotgun ballistic like 
no fingerprints, but apparently yeah. shotgun ballistics are happening. I, I guess on the on the firing pin, like you can see the stippling on the firing pin, but like the bullet, it, I don't know. Whatever. I think they could tell. I don't if know a, guns, man. I think they could tell if a gun's been recently fired, and the one in the cabin had not been recently fired. I think. That okay, there you go. That makes well, sense. Well, and I, to be honest, I thought there'd be a little bit more about the painting and the painter of the painting because they talk about him briefly at the beginning. They say, "Oh, you know the guy that you know did her portrait, and he committed suicide, and then he was kind of seeing her, and supposedly that's why." Uh, Lidecker got, you know, wrote the column about him. So I thought there might be more with that painting centering around something, kind of the Maltese Falcon of the mm-hmm. of the show. Um, and that didn't really end up developing quite Are the uh, four as little much. Napoleons? Yeah, something. That story. I mean, I just, I thought it would be some. there was a MacGuffin I thought happening that had to do more with the painting that, that didn't. But, but yeah, yeah. For me, for, it was like on the one hand, this was kind of like, uh, not enough characters in a mystery to make it super mysterious. So you right. didn't have too many people to pick from. I always think of like throw mama from the train. Well, the guy shot the other guy, you know, yeah. and that was his motivation. A murder at my friend Larry's. Yeah. <laughs> the um, guy in the hat killed the other guy in the hat. But on the yep. flip side of that, it did keep me guessing and I was engaged. And Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I was interested to find out how it went down, even if it was the basic of basics. Okay. But I mean, the journey was good, so I'm okay with that. I think it it kind of scratched an itch, even though it kind of stumbled its way through it. On the acting, on Clifton Webb was great. Um, I loved mm-hmm. seeing also uh, Judith Anderson, and as soon as she comes up, I'm like, oh, it's the angel of death has arrived because she's always Miss Morbid <laughs> in everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was great, and you know, of course, Vincent Price. I think I he just had this look about. Usually, all his roles obviously are much different. They come later; he becomes very stereotyped. But like this early role, he has this kind of look of uh, innocence and dumbness about him everywhere he went. You know, instead of this knowing look that he's known for. And so it was kind of fun to see him doing something early that was a little different. And which one was Judith? Was she the the maid, or was she the? No, she was the other socialite that was fawning okay. over Vincent Price Vincent and Price. paying okay. his way, Shelby's way. So. I really liked the maid. Oh, the maid. Was she added so mm-hmm. much to the movie. Honestly, I, they Bessie. could have had her in there a lot more. Maine. Bessie, yeah, she was great. Uh, poor, poor maid. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, Vincent Price called this uh, what he considered his best role ever. Hmm. This is his favorite performance of his, and. Uh, um. He said that uh, he understands all the characters in it because they're all heels. They're all just like his friends. So, which sounds exactly like something Vincent Price would say. They're yeah. all heels. They're all my <laughs> friends. <laughs> so, well, uh, it's my turn to suggest a movie for next time. And. I selected a movie we sort of kind of talked about back when we did Thoroughbreds. It's called Bad Education. It stars uh, Hugh Jackman and Alice and Janney. I saw it back in TIFF 2019. It's directed by the same person that directed uh, Bad Education. And it is about a corrupt uh, high, or school superintendent, basically. Uh, it's based on a true story. And we loved it. We saw it in Toronto. It was great. So I can't wait to see what you guys think of it. But uh, until next time, thanks everybody for the discussion. Thanks everybody who's listening in. We will see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Bye.